Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Marcello. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm sitting alongside Michael Nizelik on this late Tuesday evening. Uh, you will be listening to this on a Wednesday or sometime throughout the week, we'll, but we'll try to make this a timeless podcast. Uh, Auburn Undercover Podcast is, of course, brought to you by WeHaveDonuts.com, D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T-S dot com. Gourmet donuts available in Birmingham and in the surrounding areas, coffee shops all across. Go to WeHaveDonuts.com for more information on how you can pick up these delicious donuts. Uh, they're also available in Montgomery and Auburn at Prevail Union Coffee Shops uh, at times. So make sure to be on the lookout for that and other things uh, to see how you get your hands on some. We haven't had our hands on some in a while, so maybe they'll send us some. Anyway, uh, Mike, you're back from your three-week sabbatical. Um, nothing happened while you were gone. No, I missed nothing. I didn't, no, nothing. Uh, let's see what happened. Auburn... Won a game against Mercer by 14 points and was tra- – well, not trailing, but was only up seven points with eight-something minutes remaining. They beat Mercer despite turning the ball over five times. Uh, one of, like, three teams in, like, 11 years or something like that to win a game despite having that many turnovers. Uh, Sean White got arrested <laughs> and was kicked off the team. Byron Cowart requested a release and got it. And now that five-star – Former five star. I want to say he's a five star now. Got uh, got his release, and now he's headed home. And now Auburn is preparing to enter SEC play with still a lot of questions about its offense and whether they can put everything together going into this stretch here, where they play six straight SEC games. So you didn't miss much. Good. Um, Good. Fans are very happy with what's going on with the football program <laughs> and uh, the administration. Um, Jay Jacobs still has a job, though. Is yeah, the, he does. Oh, he he is still employed, despite what you read on the internet right. and uh, message boards. People thinking big news is coming uh, on Monday. I guess that never happened. Um, obviously, it didn't happen and wasn't going to happen. But uh, let's start off. Just I know everybody's heard this over and over again about Sean White and Byron Carp. Let's start with them. Sean White. Uh, I would say it's a very disappointing that he ended up in the position he's in where he had two game suspension for a reason off the field stuff. Didn't get arrested for anything, but still problems he was dealing with his own demons, so to speak. Then he gets arrested for public intox near the police station in Auburn, which isn't like he was walking down, you know, uh, down tumors corner and, you know, and they went, Oh, look, someone's drunk. Let's pick out this one person. No, he was near the police station. Um, and Gus Malzahn made a very quick decision uh, to kick him off the team, despite knowing that it would drastically hurt them at quarterback. And I think that shows you, despite it being as the charge was only public intox, it's a misdemeanor. It's something you pay a fine for court costs and you're done with usually. It shows you that there was other things in the past they weren't happy with, and they were willing to have to let him go. Uh, a team leader in a lot of ways, players really respect and now they're going to have to have a true freshman, Malik Willis, as a backup. Um, not shocking they kicked him off, knowing kind of well, I mean, what was always, going on behind. I mean, but, there were always rumors about uh, yeah. that, and I think you know it's hard to imagine a scenario where a 21-year-old who gets charged with public intox, didn't hurt anybody, didn't hurt himself, right. uh, would get kicked off a team, even with that being a second strike where he had that two-game suspension. Um, we won't know the exact nature of his past, and Gus was never going to share it. Um, but it's hard to imagine that this was sort of, um, 
this even the second uh, strike against him, considering um, that's a pretty tepid sort of arrest. You know, the, out of all the things that you've had players arrested for across right. the country, even in the history of Auburn in the recent years during the Gus Malzone era, um, you'd have to think there were some things that obviously didn't come out. Um, for him to make such a, like you said, quick decision and definitive decision, you know, not let's get him help have him come back less, next year or let's yeah. let him stick around. It was we're cutting ties. Uh, so obviously, um, you know, I, I don't I think it's fair to say that there was there was something else going on just because you don't kick a player off that's 21 for public intoxication. Yeah. Like just so I'd be walking around. Drinking. No, he didn't get a car. He, didn't, yeah, he wasn't right. even in he your what? car. He wasn't uh, it, endangering it, the lives yeah. really of anyone. So it's like when, I, when out there's without something specific, you know, drugs or, or a gun or something where, you know, you can, you know, you've seen players get, you know, really in trouble that this was uh, just considering that I would say that there was something else and it puts him in a tough spot uh, with the quarterback position because now you're one injury away from a whole new ball game basically. And uh, well, yeah. Um, and, w- and with Sean, there were issues in the past and they, tr- they try to get him help. And uh, you know, I don't want to go too into it, but, Obviously, there were things he was battling, and this was kind of last straw for Auburn. Um, but moving forward, and Sean's gone, and uh, we'll see if he lands anywhere. I think he's got to get his life in order, and good luck to him for that. Um, he's got to put himself first over football right now. But for Auburn, obviously, as you said, it puts Malik Willis in a position no one expected. Back circle, basically. I mean, I mean, even when he – I mean, listen um, – when spring practice was going on, you would never think Malik Willis would even be anywhere near second team just because, you know, up until late March, four of the quarterbacks that are no longer on the team were on the team still. Tyler Queen, uh, uh, Sean White, uh, Woody Barrett. And this isn't even a guy they were heavily pursuing until like the last month of recruiting even really. Right. He's a guy that was being recruited by Virginia Tech. He was the afterthought in the, we got Stidham. Oh, yeah, we brought in this kid named Malik yeah. Willis. And he was being recruited by Virginia Tech as an athlete. They yeah. weren't recru- really recruiting him as a quarterback. Auburn was really the only big school recruiting him as a quarterback. Now, having said that, the the guy has been impressive in the scrimmage we got to see and then from talking to his teammates and everything. But I would caution, of course, he hasn't played a single college snap yet. We saw how great Jarrett Stidham looked in the spring game, and then he went out and really struggled his first couple of games. And one could argue he's still dealing with some things, uh, even though he was 32 of 37 passing for 364 yards. But uh, this is a kid that hasn't played yet, and you wonder how exactly they're going to try and work him in the rotation. Gus Malzahn straight up said, We're, this, guy, this guy's got to play. And, you know, he got a lot of reps in spring, but fall, they kind of took a step back with him because of Sean being on the team. Uh, but they did give him second team they reps. They did give him second team reps, but still, I mean, he's got he's got a long way to go. It wasn't like where you take a, a freshman and stick him in after giving him every first team rep. I mean, right. Jerry Stidham's kind of taking the bulk from the onset here. So, um and this week he will be taking some snaps with the first team, yeah. is what Gus Malzahn said. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if on Saturday against Mizzou, I mean, I don't know this from talking to anybody, but the way Gus Malzahn was speaking and the way they got to get him ready just in case, 
I would not be surprised if they develop a package of some sort, whether it's just a straight up right. wildcat and he's the wildcat quarterback. Just give and they bring him in for, for a few it. plays just to give him a feel for the game. And then I think ideally they'd want to get just if they want this game to be a blowout so you can have him play. And that that too. You just know, have him actually just play. Get him in the game and get him just playing the offense. Um but it's a lot to ask of a team that has struggled to score thirty points. Have they scored thirty? They did against Georgia, Southern, Georgia Southern. but it was a struggle for the first half, at least. So, yeah. and they um, they should have scored forty plus against Mercer. Mercer, but the turnovers them. So, um, yeah, they haven't been able to go. I mean, Devin Adams has basically had two drives basically this season. So it's not like they've had. Yeah. You know, somebody asked, I think, on our Facebook Live, "Do you think they regret not playing Malik in that first game?" It's like, well, he didn't. I mean, Devin Adams didn't do much. You know, yeah, well, they like didn't really, he was, they really handed the ball, the ball off and threw yeah. the ball, ball what, the two ball, times, three one, times. Yeah, two twice, one of two for negative one yards, and then right. the ball twice. So went like they're like, having throw down the field or doing right. He played two drives, so it's not like I don't think they regret that. Yeah. It wasn't enough time. They would have preferred that game had been a blowout in the first half, and then you have that whole half. Then maybe I could have seen him second-guessing it. But there's no – they couldn't prepare for that. I still don't season. think they would have played Malik Willis in that game. No, they would have uh, But Because uh, they're trying they, – they straight up said the perk scenario is they redshirt him. And I don't know if this is on a rundown, but <laughs> the mismanagement of this quarterbacks looking at this year with losing all these scholarship It's incredible. Players, what – I mean, is there a way to pinpoint what's going on with this? Like, where where have they gone wrong? What is going? I mean, all right, yeah, I did because I was looking through the high high points and low points of each of Melzo's yeah. quarterbacks during his coaching area. It's ugly. It's, it's a, very ugly. Yeah. After Nick Marshall, the the high points I think is that six game winning streak with Sean uh, playing and the an first injury. half of the Arkansas game with Jeremy Johnson, two thousand, and maybe the first half of the, and then that's it. And I agree. Man, you look, I mean, what has happened to this? There hasn't program? there hasn't been a moment where a quarterback, other than that six game winning streak, where they just were winning games, yeah. where the you, the quarterback put the team on their back and was leading them. Sean to did victories. that for a few minutes against Vanderbilt and a few minutes against right. Ole Miss. Right. But outside of that, the quarterback playing, like you said, for a couple of halves, Jeremy Johnson seemed. Oh man, you know, and they and he showed glimpses against bad teams his first year. It's like, oh, maybe that guy has a future. But. Yeah. Do you think it's a development, a scouting problem? I mean, wh- where do you think this kind of went off the rails for them? I or th- did they get, or did getting Nick Marshall <laughs> sort of, you know, it's like you hit gold and then it's kind of a once, you know, and Cam's a once in a lifetime quarterback too, but, well, you know, you kind of get those guys that you hit once in a while, but it's hard. All right. All right. Let's encompass this across everything with Gus Malzahn right now in this and what's going on at Auburn. There's reasons why Auburn fans are upset. And people are from the outside looking in are going, why are they so upset? They're number 15 in the country. They barely lost to Clemson. They lost by a possession of Clemson. The problem is, is what you just mentioned. No development at quarterback. The offense is struggling in the fifth year of the Gus Malzahn era. They seemingly every single season need three to four weeks to figure out what they're going to do on offense. And now you go into this situation this season where it was going to be the deepest they had ever been under Gus Malzahn on a quarterback. And now all of a sudden, one could argue it's the thinnest. How do you do that? Your emergency quarterback is Ryan Davis. <laughs> that happened that happened in the in the in the, in one day. So, but this is what I think. I think it's bad uh evaluation on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Number 1, John Franklin III. That was a last-ditch, desperate effort. That was bad. Woody Barrett's a guy that was recruited by a lot of people, but not a lot of people had a lot of hope for. As a top As a top-tier guy, quarterback that would lead your program. Tyler Queen, that's another guy that just wasn't going to play Division I football. 
I'd long said that and believed that. Yeah. Um, and then, as I said, JF3 was last-ditch effort. Sean White is a guy that was a Rhett Lashley pick. He saw this guy, you know, give all the intangibles. Moxie was battling his gritty, rear off. Gritty, tough. tough. Won the Elite 11 MVP. Beat out Deshaun Watson for the Elite 11 MVP in a 7-on-7 seven seven camp. But he wasn't an elite talent. What they've done, and they don't, and they also seemingly don't have a type of quarterback they go after. Because you thought it was a dual threat, and then they haven't gone back but to But Gus Malzahn has long said it doesn't matter. They just have to have that it factor. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If that's how you go about putting your offense together, is having a guy that has an it factor, you're not going to be a consistent so winning So you're saying he wouldn't program. be a good casting director because they have not found the it factor in right. everybody. Well, so, all right, so he, here's the thing. Um All this, it all starts at the beginning with that, with the recruiting. Then the development hasn't been there. It hasn't been there with Rhett Lashley. It hasn't been there with Gus Malzahn. It hasn't been there with Gus Malzahn throughout his entire career, 11-plus years. Because every single year, it seems like he's got a different quarterback. Yeah. And that goes back to him. Ultimately, that's the, the coach's issue, whether it's the offensive coordinator, he's the offensive coordinator recruiting, or head coach recruiting when he was overseeing the offense. It's been the same thing every single year. And, yes, they got lucky with Nick Marshall. Nick Marshall, Gus Malzahn said it as soon as he left, and I don't think anybody would agree, uh, disagree with it now. People are going to look back at Nick Marshall and go, holy crap, that was a great quarterback for that system and was probably one of the better quarterbacks in Auburn history, Consider all things a considered. A great two-year run. Yes. I mean, it wasn't just one year. But could two, you imagine yeah. if Nick Marshall – was in a system for four years like that. Yeah. They, they'd won a title of some sort other than an SEC title. They would have won more. Yeah. Um, Cause the defense would have gotten better. So anyway, having said that they lucked out on Nick Marshall and that happens sometimes, Yeah, but his success wasn't really the result of development. No. He had the natural athleticism. He was smart. He could, they trusted him. But do you think Gus tried to purposely go away from it to prove why I don't they think. I don't, no. well, well, then why haven't they tried to replicate? I mean, I mean, I guess they, they did tried with, they, with John a little bit, but I mean that was such a last ditch thing that was really they, the Sean White experiment. They thought mismatch. Jeremy Johnson could be their guy, right? Yeah, didn't work. So they had to go to Sean White, who was going to be a perennial backup his entire career right. that they expected. So all of a sudden he's throwing a light. Then they had to go get desperate, and they went, "Well, we, dual threat guys we know works and can help well, us." Like you said, that scouting of that. So something yes. fell apart there. So they go get John Franklin third. That doesn't work out. Guy wasn't even starting at East Mississippi Community College, but everybody expected him to come in and, e and even start here, and he couldn't do that because he was fumbling the ball so much, couldn't throw the ball accurately. So then that puts them behind the eight ball even further. They bring in Woody Barrett, but he's a guy that was recruited by others but didn't really get, be seen as a guy that could be a starter within two years. Right. He had to be developed, and that seems to be a weakness with the staff. So Barrett comes here, thinks he's everything in the world, Realizes he's not going to play immediately, transfers out, leaves the program to go elsewhere. Um, it's been just a, it really has been a disaster with their their well, no, evaluation and, and, and development. From top to bottom, because then you say roster, you know, you say development, you say scouting, numbers management, like what we need, what year. Uh, how, you know, now we've got all these guys, so we'll just start moving people. Around I don't think position. it's numbers management. I think they get enough quarterbacks every year. It's just that they're leaving. Well, but then that, that's you can't have them all leave. <laughs> that's, you, that's well, you can't predict. Oh, four quarterbacks are going to leave. That's true, but I mean, I don't know. I just think it seems like everything's gone wrong, and it seems like they haven't been able to kind of figure out. 
You just think about four years ago when you look at Gus and you think, man, quarterbacks are going to be on his undoing. And, like, that's just – nobody was going to say – nobody's saying that. Oh, you yeah. thought, okay, if it's this good, Nick Marshall, a guy they just picked up. Just off the street, you know, thinking like – Like, uh, yeah, okay, we, like, we got to find another quarterback, and they had him ready and running yeah. that offense the way he did. Can you imagine what they'll do when they get a freshman quarterback in here, Jeremy Johnson, yeah, and, and develop him? No. Uh, it's just uh, it's just looking uh, at his record. And you think about, you know, win-loss record, he's done pretty good considering all the flops that they've had now at quarterback because they haven't been able to develop somebody with running backs, you know, and that's what they've relied on. But um, you kind of think even if Gus wins eight games, it's hard to see him survive considering that the quarterback position has just been one failure after another, you know, and Jarrett that, you know, they're trying to get right, but it's, it'll be interesting to see what his ceiling is this year. If they can kind of uh, get over that hump and if Chip Lindsay's a little different uh, development wise, because man, the history of this, this last five years is, is rough. And now you got no backup other than Malik Willis. So, and what are they going to do? I mean, obviously Justin Fields is a guy, but I mean he. We don't know if he's going to come to Auburn. Yeah. Uh, it's man. I'll tell you what. It's <laughs> it's it's a big issue. And if you look 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 ahead, I mean, if you're Auburn fans, you're hoping Jared Stidham stays for two years. Otherwise, I think you have to absolutely. Otherwise, this is going to be. Uh, next year is going to be a, a big mess. It'll be upheaval. Like, you know, you got Malik and then you got nobody else. You're going to have to get a graduate transfer or something to sort of stabilize the program. And then you're going to have to figure out your running back situation, offensive line as well. Defense should be still good, but they're going to lose some linebackers, you know, probably. But, I mean, that's getting here. But, I mean, you think about Jarrett. Now his decision becomes even more important. You know, that's the one aspect that we haven't talked about. With Sean Lee, you know, you, you figured if Jarrett left – You'd have Sean one more year, maybe. If if Jarrett left, maybe Sean would stay. But it would be a and, it would be it would be a competition between Sean White and Malik, and Malik Willis. And now you have and you now you have no Sean and you throw Malik as your sole guy. That's throwing a lot of I mean, you know, I know they've said he's talented, but that's a lot of eggs in one basket to, to for kind of for a guy that was dice. not being recruited as a quarterback, as a quarterback. by a lot, of, a lot of schools. And who doesn't have necessarily the size of somebody that's but, traditional. Nick Marshall wasn't being recruited as a quarterback by a lot of schools, and we saw what happened to him. So are you saying the answer is Malik Willis? They should go to him right now. I like the kid, and from everybody I've talked to, they talk him up really well. But, you know, I go by the history of the Gus Malzahn era, and it's like I've heard this before about a quarterback. Yeah, I heard about John Franklin the third. I had people tell me that was was great. Like you look, and then I was watching film, and I'm like, I'm not seeing. You look at the quotes, and they really did it. Like if they. I don't, did they see what they said or were they lying? It's like, which is worse? And I'm not I sure because they, they, they put a good front up, man. Him and Rhett, all both uh, Gus and Rhett. Well, that was Rhett's guy. That was Rhett's. But they talked him up, I'm saying. And Gus talked him up, too. Gus talked him up, too. Well, Always yeah. said he was in the competition and doing good. that was good Rhett's guy. They trust his arm. And, I mean, That's even part of the reason why Rhett's no longer at all. That's true. Uh, we'll talk more about quarterbacks here later because we're going to be talking about this upcoming game. We get, I, get, I we just get, think it's it's fascinating to look historically where his coaching, what he built his coaching career on with the success he had, and well, now looking at this. his success has been with quarterbacks and offense, but it hasn't been with consistency no, with quarterbacks. And, uh, but you just kind of man, Nick Marshall, like you said, I think Auburn fans are kind of going to have a new appreciation for him. Well, they should. They should have from the beginning, and I'm sure a lot of fans have because they talk about him a lot still. Uh, I mean, what Nick Marshall did his first season was incredible. And then as a second season, what he did as a passer yeah, really got overlooked. Game, yeah. he, he, he improved himself. And I 
I give some of the credit to the coaches, but I give a lot of the credit to Nick Marshall because that that kid worked his ass off that yeah. summer. He brought he made he brought the receivers over to his hometown and that's spent time cool. with them and to throw with them. He uh, uh, that's that's missing right now with this team. Yeah, um, even with Stidham, he's a new guy on campus. He wasn't taking guys. I mean, he doesn't live nearby. He wasn't like taking them to Texas and going, let's hang out for a week or two. Yeah, let's go on vacation, but let's also work. Anyway, all right, so Byron Cowart, five-star defensive tackle, or was a defensive end. Uh, defensive if, lineman. Defensive lineman. It, if you go by the 24-7 sports composite rankings, he was the uh, best-rated, top-rated recruit ever signed by Auburn, at least in the website era since the website started rating everything. Safe to say he's a bust. He's had 15 tackles in two-plus seasons. He decided on Monday he had been wrestling with the decision for a while of wanting to leave. Uh, he told me he tried to leave twice, and the coaches kind of talked him out of it. This week, he he had made his mind up. He was leaving one way or the other. Um, so he's gone. Now, I don't think Auburn has a lot to worry about there. He was obviously a backup, wasn't a starter. He even said, listen, I wasn't complaining to the coaches and telling them, hey, I'm an All-American sitting on the bench. He said, I knew I was probably a backup. I just wanted more playing time. But also, I realized that he'd be closer home to his mother. Whatever the real case is, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. The writing was on the wall. We said this since preseason. This guy wasn't going to play a lot. He's probably, at best, the fifth defensive tackle in the rotation. And so now his career at Auburn is over. I don't think it's going to hurt the defensive line at all, the rotation. Do you? No. No. Okay. So, but if you want to read more about Byron Coward, go to AuburnUndercover.com. We have a exclusive Q&A. I think he talked to a lot of people, but it's exclusive to us. No one else was talking to him at that moment. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, like The only notable thing, I think, is Byron's been through a lot. And, yes. Uh, from what I, they, I did a reacts, and it's split down the middle of people who kind of blame the coaching staff, blame him. But a lot of people have said you know mean things about him, and I'm sure he sees it. Uh, oh, he's, he's gotten, seen it from the beginning. He's gotten off social media since his tweet incident uh, his freshman year. But... Um, and he kind of, you know, he said in with you uh, about just, you know, the bus labels on me and all this and that. But he took the high road and impressive yeah. for a young man who's been through a lot. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, you know, fans can be kind of nasty and um, it's tough out there. And he, he said, look, it's on me, too. Um, and I thought that was impressive. And he called you back, which I thought took some was interesting after he read Gus's comments because Gus said he quit. And still took the high road, said, you know, I disagree with that description, yeah. but didn't say anything bad about, Ill, you no. know, no, nothing bad about the program. And I don't think I would have had the same <laughs> same sort of uh, yeah. restraint. Um, so good on him. Um, interesting that Gus said those words that quit. I thought we talked about that on Facebook Live because um, that thing just stood out to me like a red red <laughs> red horn bleeping. Because like, he never that, says that. That's a, that's a word that... Uh, carries some negative connotation and Gus isn't that kind of that kind of coach uh most of the time um obviously he was upset at something that happened you know whether it was that I think Howard he was upset it, that they got the guy got wanted out, to leave a couple times or he wanted to leave a couple times or you know didn't handle it certain things in house or something but uh good on him for handling it that and I think that should be kind of uh you know you might think the kid didn't have the kind of talent you expected, but you got to kind of say, uh, pat him on the back for the way he handled his uh, exit. I think, at least for this at this moment, maybe tomorrow he does another interview and blows everything up. But uh, as for now, wouldn't you say that if you were called a quitter, you might not have? Uh, well, 
You would have gotten in a Twitter beef with them. Yeah, I, I I don't handle things like that well. Um, I, I got in a face to face beef uh, Monday, <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was it was funny though. Anyway, uh, yeah. So you wouldn't have handled it as well as he did. He did. He handled it well, um, but. He'll, Here's go down, the bottom, he'll go down as one of the, the, the biggest, biggest busts. Yeah, biggest busts in all of history. Uh, uh, yeah. But he, uh, the bottom line is this. For whatever reason, he came to Auburn for Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp was here less than a year, and he left. And Ronnie Garner, I don't think, really saw what Will Muschamp saw in Byron Cowart. And so that was a non-starter from the get-go, and things just got worse from there. So anyway, moving on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, all these rumors about the administration, Gus Malzahn, what's going on. Simply put, let me put it this way. When fans are unhappy, the boosters are unhappy. The moneymakers are unhappy. The people who help push and make decisions and our influencers aren't happy. So they start talking and things get started. Then word trickles out. So of course this weekend you start hearing things about Jay Jacobs, whether he was going to survive, uh, you know, an, another week or so you've heard about Gus Malzahn. Well, he's got to win this many games. He's got to win out. Is what one person told me. It was a crazy weekend. And then the Sean White arrest happened. It behind the scenes, at least with all the chatter, it was it was a very crazy weekend. And if you're a fan, you're going to the body get a message board. You know what I'm talking about. Now, having said that, I don't think that you can group Gus Malzahn with Jay Jacobs, which seems to be what a lot of people are doing, and even influencers. They're going, we've got to get rid of Jay Jacobs because we want to get rid of Gus Malzahn, and we don't want Jay Jacobs to make the hire for the next head coach. I don't think that's the way you approach it. The guys aren't connected at the hip just because he was hired by him. If Gus Malzahn's winning, if Gus Malzahn wins 10 games this year, you don't fire him, do you? I don't think they're winning 10 games well, this year. But Okay, I'm just saying, if they win 10 games, how could you do that? Now, with Jay Jacobs, that's an entirely different situation. His support has been dwindling year by year. It hit a real low in 2012. A lot of people thought he was done for. He survived. Then there was the uptick with the 2013 football season. And as much th many things with the SEC, if your football program's doing very well, your AD is going to be doing very well, so to speak. But things have been on a downhill turn, so now everybody's turning to Jay Jacobs. But the added thing to this, of course, was his handling of the softball investigation. Some people are upset with that boosters and things and, and money makers and influencers and also just how he's handling things from the top to bottom right now right. and then the question of Auburn's got a new president Stephen Leith who arrived here in the summer so what's he think and that's the big question that no one has the answer to and I don't think anyone who to, to ask acts like they know they don't know Stephen Leith is the one who's going to make any type of decision like this. And I don't know who he's listening to, right. who he trusts yet and what that would mean down the road. So I know fans are upset right now. Let things play out, see what happens. 
But I don't think Gus Malzahn should be tied to whatever happens to Jay Jacobs or even vice versa. Well, Jay's sort of in a separate... I mean, you know, right now he seems to, at this moment, have survived some of the softball stuff. But if something else pops up, then I think Jay, you know, could be again, you know, dealing with that kind of, you know, the fallout of that. Uh, more revelations or if there's a report that comes out or lawsuits and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's totally separate from the football program. The issue for, but the, the second problem of that is the, fo- the football program goes bad. Um, I think they might be tied a little bit together because I don't think Jay's going to get another shot here to hire another person. Um, it'd just be seem unlikely, but I think there are things that could cause Jay's downfall that aren't tied to the football program. Like you said, right. Um, but now Gus is in a situation where just the, you know, you, you don't have to be a, kind of a rock scientist to figure out they're walking a very thin line. A rock scientist or a rocket scientist? A rock scientist. scientist. Um, or a rock scientist, geologist. Um, I mean, really, there's very few scenarios where he keeps his job, basically, at this point. Gus? Yeah. He wins out. He's fine. He wins out. What's the other scenarios? Wins 10 games. Wins 10 games. Because that means he beats either Georgia or Alabama. And beats either Georgia or Alabama. Then he keeps his job, but then that's it, right? I honestly don't know. But I mean, I'll, I'm, say, I'm, I'll say, say I'm this. Specula- I, I, A I'm, lot of power brokers, so to speak, they are so peeved off right now about what's happening and what's happening to their program. We've talked about this a lot. And I think losing to Georgia and Alabama and you finish 9-3, he's done with the way the season's going. And with what's happening, as we mentioned, quarterback development, the offense, you're the offensive guru. Why are you the head coach? Why are you here if you're not running the offense anymore? The the more interesting question is if they were to lose two games, say Mississippi State and LSU, what happens then? I don't think he gets fired in the middle of the season. But if that happens, he's, he's he's done for probably. And then it starts spiraling. I mean, it could get that. That's depends on how the team reacts. Yeah. Here's the thing: no teams quit under Gus Malzahn yet, so I don't. I don't believe that'll happen until I see it, because yeah. it hasn't. Even, not even an inkling of that has happened. I've never watched a game that's coached by him, and I went, "Man, the players just gave up." Yeah. Uh. So I don't know. Uh. He's got. He's just got to win a lot of games, man. <laughs> because here's the thing: at Mississippi he's, State looked pretty good against that LSU yeah, team. Yeah, well, we'll get into that here in a second. But Gus Malzahn's been told over the last couple of years to do things, and he's done them. Yeah. And whenever you're being told up above to make changes and everything, and then if those changes don't work, and then people leave or they get fired, or you're making even more moves in your fifth season, it's not a good look. I don't understand that. You know, we you, we were talking before we did this that. Uh, you know, you were talking about the game and how he was kind of just not involved in the sort of stuff. No, it was side. crazy. And uh, man, and, and, I, mean, I guess maybe that that was like a brought on from down high. But if I if it was my job, I'd be like, look, fire me. But I'm gonna go down the way I want to go down. I'm gonna call every single play. I'm gonna do whatever I yeah. want to do. Why would you sit back and be like, well, great question. I don't think we'll ever know. I don't know. We won't, but I mean, it's just fascinating. The only person me that he knows is Gus. The dynamic there just doesn't make any sense to me. I do and, think. And they're not going to, I wouldn't think they would. If he said no to the changes, were they going to fire him before playing Mercer? Probably not. No. 
Um, so but obviously he must feel insecure about where he's at that hey, he's doing that because otherwise, like, why would you listen? I'll to say that? this: Why would you? Why one of the other that? weaknesses about Gus Malzahn, you want to talk about leadership and things? Mm-hmm. He's been he hasn't been one to stand up to his bosses, yeah, throughout his entire career or demand things. For example, you go to the national championship game your first season. You know what I'm doing if I'm a head coach, and a lot of people, a lot of coaches are doing. I'm sitting down, going, okay, we'll renegotiate my contract, but also, I want renovations to the stadium. I want a new athletics complex within the next five years. This, that, blah, blah, blah. Did none of that. He didn't have any demands. He's happy with everything the way it is. Yeah. You're in a position of power after your first year of winning an SEC title. Take advantage of that. And he did not. And he had no. uh, Might not have been ready to have that vision yet. Well, if you're a head coach, you need to. Especially in the SEC. But I'm just saying at this point, he's just, uh, you know. I understand, you know, you you bring in Chip and he hires him and trusts him or whatever and, and thinks highly of him. But at the same time, it, it might not make anything better. I'm not saying it would be the best thing for him, but I just wouldn't be sitting back and being like, well, let's hope it all works out. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so speaking of Malzahn, this is an interesting comment <laughs> that not they get a lot of play because everybody's concentrating on Byron Coward, Sean White and all that and the running back situation. He said that he believes Auburn can compete against anybody this year. Now, we saw them go to Clemson and lose by eight, and Clemson just blew out Louisville on the road. But uh, those are strong words to be saying, considering what's been going on with this offense. Um, what did you think of that? Him just, just saying, by the way, we're gonna, we can compete against anybody. Well, I mean, I just laughed when he said, you know, if you take away the five turnovers and all the other mistakes that we made in this game and the injuries and all this, we looked pretty good on Saturday. It's sort of like... I take everything like that, sort of shake my head. And then he said, you know, we're going to be a good offense. He said that two weeks ago. He said that this week. It's sort of like. Said last year. Said year before last. Last year never came. So uh, this defense might be able to compete with any offense. But as a team overall, um, I don't think they're ready for prime time. I think they're ready for prime time. I don't know if they're ready for. Ready for the top tier? Con- yeah, but, I don't know, think they're ready to beat Alabama. Well, I mean, okay, so you got Alabama is the toughest team on the schedule. What would you say? Would you say Missouri SEC wise is the the weakest? Oh yeah, weakest. Yeah. Weakest. Uh, so what about the in between? What about your Georgia, your Mississippi State, your LSU? Those are your kind of three mid tier teams. And Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Missouri are at the bottom. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying the middle yeah. tier. The middle tier. What about those middle? Because Georgia, I, you get past Missouri, you get past Old Miss. They're bad teams. Georgia, Texas Mississippi. Sam's a bad well, no, team. Mississippi State's up there. Mississippi Georgia, State, Georgia, LSU, LSU. What do you think? Are the that's who they need? That's the that's the measure. Got to beat Georgia and LSU. But I mean, can they? Yes. As constructed, you think? Yeah, I think so. Because the defense is so good. Defense is good, but they don't look very good right now as a team. They don't, and I and Daniel Carlson. What the heck happened to him? I, I'll tell you this: that he ain't winning the Lou Groza Award this year. He can kick an eighty-yard field goal this I year. Don't know. It's it not going to happen no, uh, if he misses twenty-five and twenty-nine yarders. But uh, you know, I, I think that the thing that really you got to look at is if they can't beat Mississippi State in a week and a half, I think which is entirely game. possible. I think. You know, it's interesting to me. That Mississippi State game for Auburn used to be so early in the season. Uh, and based on who won that game in the Dan Mullen era, at least when Dan Mullen got there and Gus Malzahn got to Auburn, 
that kind of determined how the season transpired for both programs because it was early in the year. Same with Auburn and LSU. Now, that game where it's at now in Mississippi State looks – a lot of people are saying they're number two team in the SEC. I, I don't think – I'm not buying that yet. I think they're top four, top three maybe. But if Auburn loses to them, that suddenly puts them at at the very least, uh, very best, third in the SEC West. Yeah. And then if you go on the road and lose LSU, where you haven't won since 99, you're fourth at best. And that's not, not going to set well no. with the fans. It's just not going to happen. No. I mean, you don't survive that. So they better beat Mississippi State. If I'm Gus Malzahn, I'm I'm telling these guys this is I'm not just saying this or whatever. We'll talk about the Iron Bowl later this year. This is the most important game of the season for us guys. If we don't win this game, we're definitely not winning the SEC. We have to beat Mississippi State. Now. They're focused on Mizzou and working on, working on their own troubles right now. But if they don't beat Mississippi State, even though Mississippi State technically maybe should be rated above Auburn because they just beat a team LSU I thought was overrated all along, but they beat them by 30 points, dominated them. And dominated that defense, which you could say what you will about the offense. The LSU defense, the defense is really has good. has a lot of talent. Yeah. And so to put up what 37 or 37. 37 points on them, that's an impressive number. It wasn't just a short, you know, yeah. uh, uh, small win. It was a, and it, it could have been win. more. Yeah. So uh, that really stood out to me, just talent wise. LSU's got talents on that defense. To say put up thirty seven, that's got to have Auburn catch Auburn's. Attention. And you want to talk about a quarterback who's or a coach who's a real good quarterback developer, Dan Mullen. Nick Fitzgerald was wasn't recruited by anybody. Well, and that's how you beat. You know, when you play a great defense, if you have that quarterback that can make an make an impact play with his legs and his arms. That's how you kind of do it, and that's the you know yep. you have those special players that, and Gus knows that. That's what Nick Marshall did to teams. Yep. So he did to Mississippi State. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, you lose that game. I, I think that's. I think. All right. Listen. If they lose to Mizzou, wheels are falling off. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's no. Question. But if they Absolutely. beat Mizzou as they should, they're three touchdown favorite. But then they come back and lose at home to Mississippi State. It all comes back. It's going to come back down to earth, and everybody's going to be going. Okay. The, the team you beat by. What thirty points the previous year? year. You and can't it could have been worse than that. Yeah, and you can't say, On "Oh, we're we're looking better than last year," and you you lose to a team that you because these two two teams are similar in the in the sense that they re, they returned a lot of what they had last year. Yes. So this is a straight up. So rematch why is state teams, why is yeah. states better than you when you got the better quote unquote upgrade at quarterback and all this and the defense is what it is and you're playing at home. So anyway, we'll see. Um. Let's move forward. This is a very long-winded podcast, but you know it's been a while. We got a lot to talk about. Um, we talked. Like, My favorite quote for the press conference today was you asked him about the <laughs> execution of the run game, and his exact quote. Well, you were like, "What needs to improve?" And the exact quote was, "This is amazing." Thinking coming from Gusmo's own Auburn running backs, you know the history here. Cameron Petway's on the roster. Carry on, and the quote was, "The overall execution of everything." <laughs> Was that the question where I asked specific? Then I think I followed up. Then with, you followed up with specifically, and he got slightly about the offensive line. Specific. I go, is it the offensive line that you've really got to worry about? Because yes, <laughs> and he didn't really answer that either. I mean, listen, Gus, three Gus, three weeks into the season, and Auburn needs to improve the overall execution of everything. He's not going to answer my questions. Overall execution of everything. <laughs> he's not gonna, overall execution listen, of everything. Listen, I, listen, fans know this. Overall execution of everything. That's that should be on a bumper sticker somewhere. 
What do you need to improve in, at work? Overall execution of everything. And fly the space shuttle. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. Oh man. Um. Yeah. I mean, listen. It's so do you think he? Do you hate? Do you, does he hate Cam Petway that he runs him thirty-four times straight in the middle? Did Cam Petway make somebody mad that they're just running no, him straight I up think the middle? Of the I think they're trying to get him in shape a little bit. Wouldn't you run him to the outside to get him in shape so he could run? Shh, run? You didn't hear that from me. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think they're so stubborn. What's with this run game, Brandon? Can you break this down? Because the coaches aren't Chip they're, Lindsay. They're not going to break it down with those. I, I, I read. I wasn't there for Chip, but I read his transcript. Uh, the great the wordsmith. Um, and uh, Chip is turning more and more into Gus every day. Mister Positive, uh, Mister Chip off the old block, but um. Why didn't you run to the website, Chip? Well, we did that one time. Why don't you use your other running backs, Chip? Well, you know, we thought about it, and they're there, and they're happy. They're smiling on the sidelines. I don't know what Tim Horton thinks. Anyway, so... What's, go- what's going on with this run game, Brandon? Uh, here's what's going on. Because uh, this is a disaster. They're stubborn. The coaches are stubborn. Disaster. Uh, they're stubborn in the way they're handling the running backs. Uh, they should be playing Malik Miller and Cam Martin in these last two games. They have not. Even against Clemson. They should have utilized Cam Martin. They definitely should have used him against Mercer as a change of pace back. Didn't use him. Mercer doesn't have the athletes that uh, SEC teams do. That's do the other thing. The, the the excuse by Gus Malz on the reason why they didn't play Cam Martin is because Clemson's linebackers were too big. Well, Mercer didn't have that big. I looked no. at, I lo- I, before I left on my Bahama vacation, I looked at their <laughs> roster, and they did not seem to have very big linebackers. No, they didn't have a big defensive line either. Uh, none of it makes sense. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you knew this, uh, but just trying to get the answers for our, for our list. Nice segue here. <laughs> Carry on Johnson's coming back. He sure. is going to re- be returning from his hamstring injury. He's not 100%. Nope. He hasn't played since the first half of the uh, season opener against Georgia Southern, but he will play unless something happens in practice this Saturday against Missouri. So I think your answer to why aren't they playing more running backs they will play more running backs, and it'll be those two. Carry Until on they're both hurt headway. by the second half, yeah. and then, and then who are they going to go to? Cam Martin, maybe <laughs> if they bring him. Jeez. Maybe they move Ryan Davis to running back <laughs> since he's <laughs> already having to move. By the way, Ryan Davis has moved to quarterback, or at least as an emergency Look, quarterback. I mean, you know, you kind of think, but we don't know better. But I mean, I don't know. Cam Patway slowing down as the game goes on. He's hurting. Yes. I mean, even though he says he wasn't, he's, he's 100% hurting. healthy. He's uh, I just, I mean, you kind of, look, you could debate about play calls. You could debate about whatever. But just it seems that the way they're kind of handling their personnel this year is strange. I agree. I do think it improved this pass game outside the running well, back situation. Running backs, yeah. I thought I thought the preparation, the game plan, the execution outside of turnovers I sound like Gus Matha. Everything except for if this. You, if this, you erase the turnovers and all the other bad plays, we we played pretty good. If you erase the fact that the game was played, um, no, but I I think they're on the right track. To be quite honest, amidst all this, oh, everything looks so bad. I think they are on the right. You're track. You're just trying to cut you. You now we got to bring this back. No, you predicted serious. ten wins before the season. I did, and so. I don't think they're going to win ten games now. No, I'm I'm always wrong. Listen. <laughs> But I, I do think they're going to. I mean, they, they put up 510 yards despite turning the ball over five times. Yeah, but you know. yeah, but what? Cam <laughs> put up a lot of yards. Man. Is not going to be able to run 34 times through the SEC and survive that. If they can't run against Mizzou, red alert, red alert. 
Red that's alert. What, that's that means hot, a pace drill. Are we going to the pace drill? No, no. Red alert as in, oh God, abandoned ship. All right. Last question. Then we're going to get into some listener questions, and then All we're right. going to discuss some breaking news, uh, entertainment news. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Okay. I thought somebody else left the team. No, yes. no. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, scooped by an unemployed reporter again. Okay, uh. so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we broke news this week, and no one credits us. So, if Auburn goes to Mizzou and they lose, mm-hmm. what happens? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think. Gus survives, but then the next loss, it could be could be bye-bye. I'll make a prediction now. They go to Mizzou, and if they lose, someone's getting fired. Oh, position? Yeah, no. There has to be a scapegoat. Someone getting fired. I thought if it was a one-possession game against Mercer, someone would have gotten fired. I don't fired. think so. As long as they won that game, they've been okay. But, Not uh, okay, but nothing. Um, you'd have to have some other change. You go, hey, it's our first game with her paint on the field yeah, and yeah, checking yeah, the yeah. box. We had all these turnovers. They had a different view of the game. They didn't know what they were looking at. You know, it's, it's, the numbers looked different. Uh, the headsets weren't working. Uh, you know, uh, Pennywise came into the press box. That's right. You know, I, you'll uh, float too. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, no, you have to, you'd have to do something. I think someone would be let go. Would some, would they, would they be able to fly back before they let go? Yeah, they let them fly back. This is a family. Listen, family, family doesn't abandon you. They just say, we're not going to see you for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, no, that's a, that's fair. I, think I don't think fair. someone would be fired. Mid, head coach would be fired. Mid-season. Yeah. As I said, I don't think he's gonna be fired mid season unless it's just like the team completely quits on him and it's obviously a lost cause and they have to try to build and salvage things. But I don't think that's going to happen because no teams quit on him. And I don't think it's going to get that bad because, because the defense is so good. Anyway, I think that would be my prediction. There would be a change of some sort. Yeah. Possibly. Unless Gus Malzahn. Because Missouri, on. I mean, Missouri's in a bad spot. They just lost their defense. Well, they, Barry Odom is dead they man They fired walking. that uh, defensive coordinator. Two uh, games in the Two season. games ago. Or two games in the season. And uh, so, I mean, it's not like they're – if you lose to them, it's not like you've lost to – like we talked about Mississippi State where they got things rolling. But even if you lost to them. <laughs> That'd be bad, but I'm saying you're you're losing. You lose to a Missouri team that's like the wheels are falling off more so than your own team. So that's not great. You can't be their savior for their season. Yeah. Whoa, no, not in your fifth season as a head coach. Even though you're on the road, this oh. isn't the same environment as Clemson. Well, or... Listen, Mizzou's environment's good, but no one's going to be at that game. <laughs> I'm being serious. Like they haven't been showing up. Yeah, it's a, it's a prior, it's Before a the season, they're having problems selling, selling tickets. tickets yeah. I mean, they're were, they were allowing... Yeah, anyway. So, um, actually, you want to know how I know? <laughs> sure. Weird story. I got a phone call yesterday because I did have a hotel reserved in Columbia, right? Yeah. Reserved it months ago, right? I canceled it because I'm staying somewhere else. I get a call from the hotel manager there who still thinks I have a reservation for some reason going, hey, we're having construction in our hotel and we can't have you. And I was thinking, wow, if I didn't cancel that, I'm screwed. But then he tells me, but we can put, there's plenty of space at these other Marriott's in town. Oh, wow. And I went, wow, that's not good. That's not a great sign. <laughs> so, but Auburn fans, if you're going to Columbia, seeing if you get a hotel, call a Marriott, call the Fairfield Inn. There you go. Travel agent. Call uh, the, Fair, yeah, call the mention, Fairfield. Mention Auburn undercover. No, don't get... do that. Don't do that. Call Fairfield Inn in Columbia and ask them if they have rooms or somewhere they can refer to them you and they'll get you in because they they sounded like they're very open so anyway 
Um, <clears throat> breaking travel news as well. Wow, let's go. <laughs> let's go uh, to listener questions. We got a few. We posted these late, and of course, everybody wants to know about the running game. We, we've already talked about that at nausea. The overall execution of everything. Everything. Stephen Bradley at Brad Carver twenty five asks: Any idea on which Power Five teams Auburn could get on the two thousand twenty schedule? Simply put, no. <laughs> uh, I'd have to do a lot of research on that. Um, everybody's got their dream schools. Uh, Florida State for the longest time has been someone that Auburn's been trying to schedule, and it just isn't working out. I'd have to look at Florida State's schedule, see what's going on. Um, I was told Monday, yeah, Monday, by someone uh, who would know that they're working on it. Not with Florida State, but they're working on the 2020. They just announced Mercer for 2022. <laughs> yeah. But they're they're working on the power fighting. I mean, listen, Auburn's schedule is pretty much booked uh, through 2022, and then they got teams all the way power five teams all the way through 2024, except for 2020 and 2022, I believe, for a power five teams. So I don't know. They'll find someone. I think they actually have done a good job of like spicing it up power five wise. I mean, mm-hmm. Washington next season that's going to be Oregon at the at the at, Jerry World. At, no, 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 that's in uh, Atlanta. And or, oh, you said Oregon. Yeah, okay, Oregon I'm sorry. Jerry, I think I'm still yeah, talking about yeah, Washington. Washington's Oregon Atlanta, at yeah. Jerry World. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think they've done a great job. Penn with State. It. Penn State's yeah, a home and home. home. I mean, that, yeah. when do you see that anymore? That's cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I would love to see Florida State or Michigan That'd on schedule, but I don't think Michigan's going to happen based off what I've been told <clears throat> with the way they've scheduled. Um, okay, next question. Rusty Owens asks, "Do you?" See the issues against Mercer as being fixable. Yeah, because it was turnovers. Turnovers can be fixed. Coaching staff has to change some things, though, too, still. Such as? The run game. We got personnel. You think it's just personnel, or you think it's execution? Gus Malzahn thinks it's execution of I, everything. I think they got to they got to be more comfortable. They, they talked about their depth, and they seem reluctant to use their depth at running back. I don't understand that. And the, the other lingering question is the offensive line. We, if they have to go to Casey Dunn, and uh, Austin at right tackle. Casey apparently like? didn't do as well as I thought. I thought at first glance he did well, but apparently he didn't. Based off, but that's what they said the line will look like if uh, Darius, Darius can't is not play. ready to go. Yeah, and I would probably think he's doubtful for that game if he just started. It's going to go through non-contact practice yeah. early this week. So got to take precautionary measures there whenever you deal with that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so um, that'll be kind of a question mark. Yeah. Well, that kind of exacerbates some of the issues. Or go, re- revert, and and I asked Gus Malzahn outside the press conference room today, I go, is, I mean, as bad as Mizzou's been, you know, is that Mizzou defensive line legit? And he goes, oh, yeah, they're yeah. pretty good up front. So that's going to be a very major matchup. And it, it, it possibly could be an issue for Auburn's offensive line. Because Auburn offensive line has not done exactly. great things. They have not year. been impressive at all this season, so. Watch out for that. All right. Um, moving on. Theron Cleveland at the real Charlie's <coughs> ask. This would be for both of us, I guess. What would you be doing with your life if you were not a sports reporter? Taking care of my two kids. That's about You'd it. Just be That's a house dad. Yeah, house like dad. Michael Keaton, Mr. Yeah, Mom. For sure. I'd be sacking groceries. Playing a lot more video games and reading a lot more comics. I don't think I'd be able to afford <laughs> video games. Uh, I've got a backlog right now of like um, like 120 video games, so I'd be good for probably yeah this guy through 2021. Like, so yeah, I just buy and just store on a shelf. So someday, where the kids will get them. So 
Yeah, I'm sure they love to play old games. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know what timeless. Maybe sport. I, I I I'd be I'd be sacking groceries, but the place the grocery store I worked at in high school and college is shut down. So, oh, I don't know what so I'd you'd be have doing. to find somewhere else. I'd have to. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now or nearly at the level I'm at because I'm not good at anything. Um, God, that makes my life sound sad. <laughs> um, last question. I don't even know who asked this, so I'm sorry. Why do people forget that Sammy Coates was wide open on the left hash during the Hail Mary throw to Ricardo Lewis in 2013? I'm talking about the prayer at Jordan Hare. Uh I guess that's a joke question, of course. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I don't think people forget that because I know Gus Malzahn and them don't forget it because they were yeah they were peeved off that it, he yeah. threw that that pass uh, the Little Rock uh, uh, play that they threw it uh, that Nick Marshall threw it. But hey, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Nick Marshall's got something special about him because he made a very similar throw uh, in junior college, just like that, where yeah. it, like bounced around and fell in the guy's hands. He's got a way of making plays somehow. Um, brighter days for Auburn, 2013. Crazy. It, it feels so long ago now. Um, okay, so if you're an Auburn fan and you don't want to hear us talk about entertainment stuff or nerd stuff, just tune out now. <laughs> but we had breaking news. I don't know what it is right now. It's just as exciting. Uh, during, the ga- during the game. During, during the game. During the uh, podcast. All right. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready. James Cameron's returning to the Terminator franchise. Oh, this is old news. No. Linda Hamilton's going to return. Oh, that's that's breaking news. Arnold Schwarzenegger will be involved. That's old news. Uh, oh, no. No. Oh, God. I'm reading this now. They're playing a trilogy. Yeah, that's old news. Um, this is the writing staff they have. This is the first name. <laughs> Just prepare to walk outside the door. Yeah. David Goyer, Ugh. <laughs> who ruined Superman. Um, Charles Egley, who created Dark Angel with Cameron. That's Ooh. not bad. Josh Friedman. For, this is the guy I love. He did the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Did you watch that? No, I heard it got better. Really good show. Really good character development. They turned the whole franchise on its head. They weren't afraid to do different things. Really, really good. Great great casting and great writing. So I'm pumped that that guy's involved. He's in, he's in the writer's room. But this sounds like it's 15 years too late. Who's who, They announced the director, too. Who's the director? Tim Miller, director of Deadpool. Tim Miller, yeah. Um, they've done this now like three times, uh, re- try to reinvent this franchise and it hasn't worked. Um, it's 15 years too late. If they were going to do this, they should have done it like in 2000. I would assume that means they're going to ignore the previous sequels, which I think is always bad. I mean, it's fine, but I just think that well, that's uh, a new thing to do. I mean, new thing, so. the new Halloween movie, I mean, they've done 50 Halloween, yeah, movies. new Halloween movie. Movies, they're yeah. going to do that. Um, I, I don't have. I mean, when it comes out, we'll see. But I don't, I don't have like high expectations for this. This is a quote from James Cameron, who said some really stupid stuff about Wonder Woman a few weeks ago. That didn't empower women, right? Is that what? He's so stupid with that. <laughs> go, go play with your blue animatronic things, people. All right, he says, "quote." He's talking about Linda Hamilton returning. 
Quote, there are 50-year-old, 60-year-old guys out there killing bad guys, he said, referring to aging male actors still anchoring movies. But there isn't an example of that for women. So what he's saying is there isn't a woman who's in their 50s or 60s killing bad guys. I guess that's true. So that's your quote of why you want to do this? Um, I, I, I don't know. Um... I mean, Schwarzenegger's, what, 71 years old? 70? Yeah. And Linda Hamilton's, I don't know how old she is. I just think the idea of trying to go into it as a trilogy, why not just make a best first movie just, you can? Just, yeah, make, work, make the best standalone movie you can. Because, exactly. um, I mean, the, the, the... I mean, they've got some talented people involved in this. Tim Miller's very talented. Even before he was doing movies, like, the video game stuff he did was creative. Yeah. Um, and the commercials he did. And I know every commercial director, but he, I mean, and he's not like a young guy. He's like, in, I think he's in his 50s. He's been around for a while. And I mean, we all know Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool was great. It was different. Um, but even the commercials he's done, like my favorite, I think like Batman's great. The Dark Knight is great. Right. But I think the best like Batman piece of motion picture I've ever seen was the commercial he did for Batman Arkham Origins where I don't know if you have you ever seen the uh, commercial for it it's a picture of it's just it's a focus right on the face of Bruce Wayne as a kid his parents getting killed around him you don't see them Tim Miller directed this he 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 directed it put together but it's all CGI it's from the game engine and it's just playing this song or whatever and it just it's focused on his face and it's showing Bruce Wayne's face growing up and it's like He's smiling, and then he's not when the gun blast goes off, and he's like this, and then his face is slowly more depressed, whatever, and it shows him getting his butt kicked by bullies, and his face is still looking right at the yeah. camera, and all this stuff, and he's getting trained, and all so this. So this has you excited for the new Terminator movie? No, Tim Miller, no. I'm just saying Tim Miller's a really, really talented guy. And um, still, this, the subject, I mean, to go into it saying we're going to do three movies, just, they've done that like well, three they, times. they've done that they well they've done it well they did it twice this and then this previous incarnation whatever uh Genesis. no they did it with christian bale and then they did it with oh yeah try it yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was that terminate what was that salvation yes and not good and that movie was awful it was really christian bad. bale was so miscast in that oh so he was well such a... and then uh what's that guy the guy that you can't pick out of a lineup of one the, the lead actor in it Sam uh, Sam Worthington. Yeah. He's a James Cameron guy. Terrible. He's awful. Uh, let's hope he doesn't return. Um, we'll see. I'm not pumped about this. But actually, this is one of our Twitter questions. <laughs> so we're going, are you excited about this? No. I'm not. I mean, it depends on what it looks like. To be quite honest, the Terminator Genesis idea at least made it Interesting from the like before you even saw a trailer. Yeah, for but it. they cast another but the execution. But the, was they cast so another bad. Jay Courtney, who's Sam Worthington's exactly. long lost son. Uh, but the execution was so bad. The terrible. direction was terrible. But the storyline idea, like if James Cameron came back and said, "Here's what I'm doing. We're going to re- go back in time to the original timeline, and it's going to mess things up further. And I'm also going to be able to have an aged Terminator because, and that makes sense." It was interesting at the very least, but the, the execution was just so horrible. I mean, there was moments in that in that theater I laughed because it was so bad. And the, the best part of the whole movie was the credits when they played the Terminator theme, and I heard it for the first time in 
20 years in a theater and surround sound. I was like, yeah, awesome. That's the only thing that was worth seeing. Did you the see the remake? Or I mean, the re-release of the... Uh... I didn't. Partially because of what he said about Wonder Woman. You boycotted it? I kind of did. And it did not do well in theaters. They were, I mean, those re-releases... I mean, the Jurassic Park re-release did pretty good. They were kind of expecting something below that. But yeah. this did terribly uh, at the re-release. And I thought it would do better because... I mean, T2 is considered the best, by some, best action movie released. But, so what do you feel? <laughs> I, I'm sure you don't care. Did you ever like the Terminator? I know, I love the Terminator movie. I, and I thought, actually, the uh, the uh, fourth one is probably the one that's most underrated in the... the uh, Which one's that? Salvation? the third one? Oh, the third one, Rise of the Machines? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where Schwarzenegger's in it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's in all of them. He's but, in all of them. Uh, but the, uh, the, uh, it, it has such a bleak ending. And it and it fit into the continuity. I thought that was pretty clever. Sure, because it, it, the goal wasn't to save uh, uh, what's his it's John, a, it John was Connor to put the and his pieces wife. in place to make it was sure to they're... put them in place so they survived the they survived it. Yeah, um, and so I thought that was that a was interesting. Bold, but that's the thing ending. with this franchise. There's so many like interesting ideas you can because when it deals with time travel and yeah. fate and changing and things. what's that, the guy that. Uh, the kid that not the kid, but the uh, the actor that played um, yeah, I can't remember Nick Stahl. He, yeah, he was good. He's sort of a, not the original kid, but he was yeah, the grown up. Yeah, the grown up of version John of it. But um, he I was fine. He was good. Yeah, he was good. And, uh, and then I had Claire Danes, who's also very. She good. was okay. Um, so yeah, I thought that one. Was I thought cool. that I just remember seeing that movie in theaters and thinking it looked real cheap. But Salvation was awful. Bad special effects kind of got me sick in the theaters, like the shaky cam and some of the scenes. Well, that and it would look so dirty. The yeah. filter on it, filters uh, on it. And then the most recent one, yeah, I just, Jay Courtney. Did you ever see that? Which one? The new one. Yeah, yeah. You did see it? Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. It was Not horrible. Good. I was, I, it's one of those movies, like, I've heard people talk about this. When you watch a movie and it ruins your experience previously, that tells you just how bad a movie is. And when I saw Terminator Genesis, or does that, what is Genesis? Mm-hmm. I went... I started questioning whether, like, God, is Terminator 2 really that good? It's like the terrible ending of Lost or Battlestar Galactica ruining the Don't do that. Lost, those endings are good. They're, well, A, they're not good. Yeah, and they B, are. they uh, ruin the whole... What? Although Lost was bad for, like, a couple of seasons. Before. Yes, Lost was bad for a couple of seasons, but the, seasons I thought the ending was fine. The ending was terrible. You're, you suck. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um... The director of one, the Fat Furious Five, Justin Lin, he was connected to Terminator for a while. To everything for a while. Well, he did that Star Trek movie, which was weird. I didn't, didn't expect that. Yeah. But he was attached to do that Terminator Genesis movie, and actually, I'd hope for that because that guy's a great director, action director, and he does a lot of things practical, and he meshes the CGI well with it. But the guy they hired was the guy who did the Thor sequel, and did Game of Th- some Game Alan of Thrones Taylor. episodes. Yeah. Like who? And the direction was terrible, terrible, terrible editing, terrible sound design, just terrible everything. But I think I'd be more excited if James Cameron was directing it because at least the very he's too busy. He's got like seven more. Well, that's all he's about is money, is creating his own world and technology. He thinks he's the deep sea diving. Apparently, he's a pain in the ass to deal with. Are you going to do a Twitter beef with James Cameron? Is that what this is your goal? Is he even is? on Twitter. Is that your goal? He's too busy making money uh, to get in Twitter beefs. So, anything else you want to talk about? You're in Dark Knight Metal. 
No, I'm not reading Dark Knight. I re- hey, uh, I read the first two issues of Mr. Miracle. How were they? I, if you, I thought you read them. No, I, I told you that the reviews... <laughs> I, I keep up. Listen, I keep up. I read them because you said, hey, you And I heard they were, were fantastic. And They're uh, great. Multiple people. So. I can't wait to the third. I, the, uh, it's like an eight-issue arc. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a maxi series, yeah. It... Uh, and you Mitch Gerard uh, is doing the art, I, th- I believe. Yes, he did it's a, different. He did a Punisher run that, that I enjoyed, um, but he's good. You don't know what's real and what's not, what's in their, someone's head. And yeah. It's, 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 so see, you listen to recommendations. I, I it's, don't see you wrong. It's interesting. Like, I was reading it going, what the hell is this? Because, like, every other panel is just black with the word dark side is. Yeah. I'm like, it's supposed what? to make you interpret, like, what what yeah. the villain is, you know, who it is. It's good. It's supposed to be good. It's really good. And I, I don't know when the third issue's coming out, but I read it on Comicsology. That's the weird. We are very different because he reads comics digitally, which is just totally bonkers to me. I only buy comics if I want to keep them, collect them. I like my websites and my my sports news all digital, you know, obviously. <laughs> but uh, you don't want Auburn undercover in a print product. No, but um, but uh, comic books. And novel? Do you read? Do you read Kindle or whatever? You use a Kindle. I got Kindle Fire that oh, I use. I could not, could not do it. The Why smell of it? a new book, it's like the greatest thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. That doesn't it does it doesn't come out? Does the Kindle spray? Freaking a mist? nerd. Yes, I am a nerd. Did you get that video I sent you last night? <laughs> I did not watch. I was at. Uh, we were driving, the million hour drive from the Bahamas. <laughs> um, driving from the driving Bahamas. Home, so I did not get to watch it yet. Poor guy. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. This podcast also feels like it's forever. Is well, no one's listening, listening right no, now. No, no, no. No one's listening. I've spent my entire life doing nothing but collecting comic books. And now there's only time to say, life well spent. <laughs> it's from the Simpsons movie. It was on the other night. Uh, I love that movie. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> life well spent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah remember when you were a kid and terminator 2 came out and you're like wow well here we are nearing death and james cameron's returning to ruin the franchise. but still if you go back even further than that i mean terminator 1 is much darker that's a whole different deal different type of movie. Well, that's more of a thriller horror yeah movie. and that was if you rewatch i mean i saw that as a kid way too young and uh you know, I didn't see that until actually after Terminator Two. So that was that was an impro- that was like one of the first action. That was terrifying as a child. That it still scene, is. End scene where the robot survives and is and is coming out of the thing. Oh you're no! Just like, oh, you know what gosh. the scariest scene in that whole movie is? Is when he's got that limp and he's just the exoskeleton and he's yeah. walking down that hallway. Yeah. And it's just showing him, and she's trying to close the door. That stop motion stuff is that, scary as hell. That, yeah, it's a different, Whew. totally different film. Oh yeah. But that's what Cameron does. He used to be do good things, but no. Maybe he's gonna do that with Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, went with the Aliens franchise and went. That was more of a thriller. I'm gonna do an action thriller. That I was loved great. It. Aliens was one of my favorite movies growing up. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, that's the character development, the moment, character moments, great. And then Terminator Two is the same way. He took something that was a horror thriller that had some action in it at the end to a, a, one of the best action movies ever made. So and Gus Malzahn has up. done the reverse to the Auburn program. <laughs> Exciting action offense, and he's made it a horror thriller. Oh, that's, that's hard to watch through and sit through. Oh, yeah. man. 
Yeah. Are you saying this is like the movie Piranha? <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's Piranha not. 2, is that the one? It's, Cameron it, we're did? all going to get down in the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> are you... Are you saying Auburn fans should just carry red balloons to the next stadium? <laughs> Put them on the stadium. Oh, my gosh. Maybe the stadium will float away. That's right. And then they'll have a reason to update the stadium. There you go. There. there you go. Yeah. Get that north end zone and have it float away. <laughs> you'll, flo- you'll, <laughs> you'll float, float too. too. All right. I think that's going to do that's it for the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Brought to you by WeHaveDonuts.com. At least right now, they might listen to this and wonder what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Uh, we have donuts.com, D O U G H nuts.com, gourmet donuts, beautiful donuts in the Birmingham area. And of course, also apparently available at Prevail Union Coffee Shops in Montgomery and Auburn. Go to we have donuts.com for more information on their beautiful donuts, their uh, donut wall, which is available for corporate and other events. Um, and I mean, what's better than a wall of donuts? About the Auburn offense. Hey. Okay. Oh, hey. Oh, no, but it, it's similar. They all have holes. You sit there. They also get eaten up by hey. people opposing defenses. Bears. bears. The Mercer, the Mercer bears. bears. The fighting Bears. I really wish someone would tell us what it was life was like behind the scenes at Mercer leading up to that game. <laughs> 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 now that's some inside digs, man. Woo! Woo! Stick it in your craw! Woo! Stick it in your craw! <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. Bobby the Brain Heenan died. I'm sad. That was, No, but that is sad. He was, you know, not just wrestling, but sports in general, as color commentators go. Hilarious. The best. The he, best. He was hilarious. I was watching old clips of him the other night. Yeah. Uh, of him doing primetime back on... I never watched primetime WWF. Yeah, but watching those old clips with him and Gorilla Monsoon, and then uh, I saw this GIF of him, <laughs> GIF, not GIF of him on Nitro WCW Nitro, mm-hmm. and he's sitting next to Tony Schiavone, and Tony Schiavone is trying to sell these videotapes, like going, "You check out this videotape of Ric Flair yeah, yeah, yeah. and Hulk Hogan or whatever," and they got him standing up on the desk, like right there, and the camera's on them, and. Bobby Heenan's just sitting there. He's not really looking, paying attention, and he knocks over the Hulk Hogan tape. <laughs> well, that, well, that's one of the most better things when uh, Hogan Hogan turned heels to the NWO. I just remember always uh, Heenan's, mm. I told everybody from the beginning, yeah. I knew it, Giovanni. <laughs> yeah. I've been telling you for years. <laughs> yeah. That was like the Can't best part. I mean, I know that... Uh, Shivani's final line is always remembered. And uh, what did you he know, say? You go to hell. You go to hell. You go straight to hell. Go straight to hell. Uh, that yeah, was good. good. Uh, but uh, but Heenan talking about how I'm I knew it. I'm, ta- I'm telling everybody for years. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, but yeah, rest in peace, Bobby Heenan. He'd been in bad shape since 2002. He lost his jaw, I think. Yeah, he had throat cancer. They had yeah. a, he hadn't he hadn't been able to talk in years. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, because um, I was like, man, I hadn't seen him. And then the last video I saw of him was, uh, I guess, when he was in the Hall of Fame at WWF or WWE. He lost his ability to speak over 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. and this was 2004, yeah. and you could tell his voice was really yeah. struggling then. And that was kind of... But he was he was making jokes even then about... I guess that was right around the time that the WWF, the wildlife oh, the thing, e was and suing F- them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so they went to WWE instead of WWF. And he's like... He goes, WWE... F. He's like, he goes, what well, goes wildlife? He goes, what are you talking about wildlife? We have enough wildlife. He goes, we had, we had, uh, we had a guy with a snake. We had a blah, blah. And he was went down all this stuff. He goes, he goes, 
and we had a gorilla, and we had a weasel pointing at himself. And everybody just goes up, you know, giving a round of applause. He was great. But uh, that and Ric Flair being in bad shape. He does, yeah, he's in looking good shape. Uh, he's just bringing everybody down, man. It's so sad. Well, I mean, you think about WCW. It was Ric Flair. And then near the end, the resurgence, that when they actually were competitive, Bobby Heenan being on broadcasting. Sure. So. Mm-mm. Yeah. Everybody gets old. That's stupid. All right. I hope we're cutting this part out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably not. We were supposed to end this four minutes ago. But All right. I, I just... All right. Anyway, um, that's it for the Auburn Undercover podcast. No inside Mercer articles there at AuburnUndercover.com. But we do break Auburn news. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.